Welcome to episode three of Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy. I'm Zach Clancy, and this week we're going to be talking about Sonia Nieto and multicultural education. Nieto has written tons of books and articles about the topic, and she's won several awards. So she's someone who's made a significant contribution to the field of multicultural education. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but as I'll explain in just a few moments here, multicultural education is something that can benefit all types of students regardless of their ethnicity or their economic or social status, and it's something that can be taught to students of all ages starting in kindergarten. So this is something that can be useful to all K-12 educators, regardless of whether or not you teach public school or at a private school or a charter school or an alternative school. It's something that all educators can use. So hopefully people will find this podcast helpful. And either way, I hope people reach out to me on Facebook at Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy, or on Twitter at TeacherTalkWZC to let me know what they think. But before we get into the details about Sona Nieto and multicultural education, I just want to take care of some housekeeping issues. So this is going to be the Collaboration Corner segment of the podcast. This is when I might be giving a shout-out to other podcasts that I think you might find interesting, or possibly at some point in the future, a shout-out to episode sponsors, assuming Teacher Talk gets enough listeners to have sponsors. Anyway, this week's Collaboration Corner shout-out goes to Talking About Everything with Harry Hawk. It's available in iTunes and anywhere else you might get your podcasts. It's a podcast about education, just like this one, but Harry discusses a lot more as well. Things like society, marketing, food, technology, media, and art. He seems like a real stand-up guy. I followed him over Twitter, and he reached out to me really quickly afterwards, and he's been sort of welcoming uh, into the podcast community. Uh, we've been DMing, and I'm going to be getting into touch with him real soon so we can talk about possibly interviewing each other for uh, our respective shows, which is super exciting to me. I'll keep you posted, but check him out. He's on Twitter at HHawk. That's the letter H and the word Hawk. So in this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about Sonia Nieto and multicultural education. I'm going to give you a little bit of background about her, then I'm going to tell you a little bit about her contributions to multicultural education, then I'll briefly discuss some of the ways that she proposes implementing multicultural education, and finally I'll be talking briefly about my own personal thoughts and experiences trying to implement multicultural education in my classroom. So Sonia Nietzsche grew up in Brooklyn, New York, where she attended St. John's University. She completed her bachelor's degree in elementary education in 1965. And the following year, she received a master's degree in Spanish and Hispanic literature after attending New York University's graduate program in Madrid. During her early years as a classroom instructor, Nieto taught English, Spanish, and English as a second language in Brooklyn, as well as teaching at the first bilingual school in the Northeast in the Bronx, New York. Nieto began working in higher education as an instructor at Brooklyn College in the Department of Puerto Rican Studies, where she taught in a bilingual education teacher preparation program. She completed her doctorate in education and curriculum, bilingual, and multicultural education from the University of Massachusetts Amherst in 1979. And the following year, she assumed the first of many professorial positions at the University of Massachusetts that she continued to hold until her retirement in 2006. Nieto's been writing books and articles about multicultural education since at least 1986, 
when she published Equity in Education, The Case for Bilingual Education. Her most recent book is entitled Affirming Diversity, The Sociopolitical Context of Multicultural Education, which she wrote with Patty Bode. That's the source I'll be referencing and quoting during this episode. So according to Sonia Netz's website, she won the 1997 Multicultural Educator of the Year Award from the National Association for Multicultural Education. She held an Annenberg Institute Senior Fellowship from 1998 to 2000. She was awarded the Outstanding Language Arts Educator of the Year Award by the National Council of Teachers of English in 2005. And she was awarded the 2008 Social Justice and Education Award by the American Educational Research Association. In 2011, she was named a fellow in the American Educational Research Association and a laureate of Delta Kappa Pi, an education honor society. She also holds numerous honorary doctorates. So as I mentioned, the the topic of this episode is multicultural education, which is a nebulous word like culture, nature, and technology. It's a term that can and does mean different things to different people. So before we go any further, I'll go ahead and give everyone the definition I've been operating under. Uh, Multicultural education is the idea that worthwhile educational programs and philosophies should focus on goals that tackle inequality, raise the achievement of all students, and provide students with the, quote, opportunity to become critical and productive members of a democratic society, unquote, which is how Sonia Nieto puts it. So before I explain multicultural education, we need to back up and take a look at the social and political context of education and schools, as well as some assumptions that this context is based on. So in a nutshell, Nieto argues that decisions about education are not politically neutral. Instead, these decisions are tied to the quote, social, political, and economic structures that frame and define our society, unquote. While education doesn't exist within a vacuum, some uh, critics of multicultural education view it as something that does, which is unfortunate. But hopefully after listening to this podcast, you'll view it as something that does not exist in a bubble. Anyway, Nieto's views on multicultural education are based on four assumptions. Um, So real quickly, the first assumption is that identity, difference, power, and privilege are all connected. It's the idea that a person's identity frames, but does not not necessarily determine how they experience the world. Uh, And so in this case, identity is influenced by major aspects of social and political contexts, such as race, ethnicity, social class, language use, gender, sexual orientation, religion, ability, and other social and human differences. And these affect how people are perceived by both individuals and society. Multicultural education does not merely involve the affirmation of identity and differences, but it also, quote, assertively confronts the issues of power and privilege, unquote. The second assumption is that multicultural education is broadly inclusive of many voices and not directed at specific students or specific groups of students. The third assumption is the notion that teachers are villains is a myth. Most teachers are sincerely concerned about their students and want the best for them. However, they sometimes know little about the students they teach. I recently heard a statistic from the Labor Bureau stating that something like 80% of K-12 teachers are white people from middle-class backgrounds while an increasing percentage of K-12 students are not. Additionally, teachers are products of an imperfect educational system, and so they can unwittingly perpetuate harmful policies and practices. The fourth and final assumption is that quality public education is worth fighting for. 
It strives to ensure that all students are full participants in a democratic society, and it is one of the few institutions that at least articulates the common good. So now that we've looked at those assumptions, let's get into the social and political context of multicultural education that I mentioned earlier. So there are five aspects of this context that Nieto feels are important. The first is that there are clarifying goals of multicultural education, which argue that, as I mentioned before, uh, worthwhile education programs and philosophies will focus on goals that tackle inequality, raise the achievement of all students, and provide students with the opportunity to become critical and productive members of a democratic society. The second assumption is that myths about immigration and differences must be confronted and dispelled. Um, you know, so historically, the assimilation of immigrants has not been painless and smooth. Um, you know, and immigration is not a relic of the past. It's important for teacher education programs to understand this. Multicultural education calls for schools to acknowledge the differences that children bring to school, while admitting the possibility that students' identities influence how they experience schools and you know, viewing their cultural and linguistic differences as a strength. And acknowledging cultural differences is necessary to understanding the social and political context of multicultural education. However, it's important not to oversimplify or generalize those differences because they can just continue ugly stereotypes. You know, culture is too complex and varied for us to conclude that all those who share a particular background behave in the same way or believe the same things is what Sonia Nieto said about this. So, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense to look at culture as a product. Rather, it should be viewed as an ongoing process. And multicultural education is something that should be more broadly conceptualized than just cultural artifacts, than just products of culture. You know, multicultural education can lead to a better understanding and empathy. It's something that's an essential element of school reform, but it's not a silver bullet for all social ills. However, it can address, address some of the root inequalities in larger society that contribute to educational ills. Additionally, multicultural education can be used to address areas of potential conflict and inequality, such as inequitable structural conditions in schools and society, the impact of culture on learning, and language diversity. So multicultural education is a process of comprehensive school reform, and it challenges and rejects racism and discrimination while affirming pluralism. It influences the school's curriculum and its instructional strategies, and it also implements critical pedagogy and social change that is based on knowledge, reflection, and action. It ultimately promotes democratic principles of social justice. So that's why we need multicultural education. Uh, now here's what it looks like. Um, it has seven characteristics, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into all seven of them. But here are some of them that I feel are most important. Um, if you'd like to see all seven of them, you can definitely reference uh, Sonia Nieto's uh, Affirming Diversity, and that will contain all of them. Anyway, the first characteristic is that Multicultural education is anti-racist and anti-discriminatory education that is mindful of how some students are favored over others in regards to school policies and practices, choice of materials, sorting policies, as well as teachers' interaction with students and their families. This happens at least in part when schools no longer avoid the negative aspects of the past and present. 
And while this can lead to feelings of remorse and guilt among European American students and teachers, it can also facilitate, quote, invigorated awareness and informed confidence, unquote, that inspires people to take personal and group action for positive change. And that's according to Sonia Nieto. The second characteristic is the idea that it is basic education. One specific barrier to the implementation of multicultural education is the notion that it's peripheral to the so-called core curriculum. And this point of view privileges knowledge that is almost always upper class, male, and European. And this monocultural approach is flawed because it excludes many perspectives and it deprives all students, not just the white ones, but all students of diversity that is just a part of this world. So meaningful multicultural education occurs when students develop multicultural literacy, uh, which I've tried to do in the past. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute when I reflect on my own personal experience with this. But uh, multicultural literacy means that students are fluent in a second language, cognizant of the arts and literature in multiple different cultures, as well as the geography and history of countries other than the United States. Third, multicultural education is important for all students. The notion that multicultural education is strictly for students of color, those in an urban context, or so-called disadvantaged or at-risk students is a prevalent misconception that Nieto addresses in her work. But regardless of that, when any student is deprived of multicultural education, they receive at most an education that is partial and biased. And that in turn perpetuates, you know, continues a lack of cultural awareness. And it just, it's a vicious cycle. So multicultural education combats this lack of awareness with its inclusive nature. It includes all people, regardless of their ethnicity, ability, social class, language, sexual orientation, religion, gender, or race. It can benefit members of dominant social groups, you know, the white European male perspective that I was talking about a minute ago. Because those are members of society who are frequently less informed and less aware of issues of diversity. So the sixth characteristic of multicultural education is that it is a process that is continuous and ever-changing because knowledge is never complete and no one ever stops becoming a multicultural person. Furthermore, it can be viewed as a process because it primarily involves relationships among people. It is often more difficult for schools to implement multicultural education as a process because it's easier for schools to serve ethnic food once a month in the cafeteria than it is to dismantle policies that are disadvantageous for some students at the expense of others. And although multicultural education is a daunting process, it's necessary in order to make schools multicultural. So I know that's a lot of abstract information, but now we're going to get into where the tires meet the road. Nieto developed a four-level model of support for multicultural education. The four levels are tolerance, acceptance, respect, and affirmation, solidarity, and critique. The first level, tolerance, is more accurately described using the connotations associated with the word as opposed to using its dictionary definition. So, you know, sometimes when a person says they're quote-unquote, tolerant of LGBT people or interracial marriage, it's more like they're telling you they don't really approve of it, but not enough to bother actually doing anything about it. 
It's a step up from colorblind monocultural schools where differences are not acknowledged. In this instance, multicultural education is begrudgingly accepted but not embraced. Nieto cites a school where bilingual classes are intended to transition students into monolingual English speakers as quickly but sensitively as possible. However, English-speaking students are encouraged to learn a foreign language. So the school is essentially sending the message that non-English languages are novelties at worst, and at best they're non-core subjects that are not as important as English language classes. These types of attempts at diversity are often superficial. For example, during Black History Month, one of the biggest multicultural events of the year, instead of portraying Rosa Parks as an active and integral participant in the civil rights movement, in a quote-unquote tolerant context, she is presented as Rosa the Tired, a victim of circumstance who served as a catalyst for others. Perhaps this is in part due to teachers' lack of access to professional development pertaining to growing the diversity of the student body. But the next level of support for diversity is acceptance. At this level, differences are acknowledged and their importance is neither denied nor belittled. Uh, Nieto provides the example of a school where teachers had greater access to professional development, such as seminars on diverse learning styles, bias-free assessments, and bilingual education. So non-English-speaking students who are proficient in their native language in this school uh, enter a transitional bilingual education program with the goal of becoming fully quote-unquote mainstreamed into English language general education classes. And at this level, multicultural events are more in-depth. At this school, Christmas celebrations provided students with information about St. Lucia's Day in Sweden and Las Pasadas in Mexico. The next level is respect. At this level, respect for diversity is used as the basis for much of the education offered. Nieto cites one school functioning at this level. At this school, professional development included university-level courses to help teachers keep up with the literature in their fields. It was offered to teachers, counselors, and all other staff. And students had the opportunity to learn Jewish klezmer music, American Indian storytelling, Vietnamese dance, and Guatemalan weaving. The highest level of diversity support is affirmation, solidarity, and critique. This level operates based on the understanding that while it might be challenging and difficult, the most powerful learning results happen when students work and struggle with one another. And so one such school operating at this level has areas within the building that have fundamentally different functions from what might be expected at a traditional public school. For example, there's a studio where students learn traditional Filipino dance and music in addition to modern American dance. And there's a community garden where vegetables are planted, cared for, and harvested by students and faculty. Cafeteria staff then use these vegetables to prepare healthy, ethnically diverse food for the cafeteria. And there are no so-called quote-unquote foreign languages at the school. Rather, students work in bilingual settings where two languages are often used. And students, even native English speakers, often converse in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese languages in classrooms, hallways, and on the playground. So that wraps up the different levels of support. Looking back at my own experiences in education, I'd say I sometimes felt like I was limited to the tolerance level of multicultural education. As you can see from the picture of me that came with this podcast, I'm a member of the 80% I was talking about earlier, you know, white person from a middle-class background. 
And I worked with ethnic minorities and students from low-income families for most of my 12 years working in the field of education. And for a long time, I myself was guilty of sometimes engaging in the use of multicultural literature in a sort of superficial, let's be friends manner that had a happy ending narrative. You know, the Rose of the Tired narrative I mentioned a moment ago. I've often struggled with not understanding how to extend the discussion beyond that level. But uh, recently, I began using the example of segregated baseball to teach beyond the Jackie Robinson, the movie 42 narrative, and look at more complex issues related to racial segregation in baseball at that time. It's, it's interesting. One of the things I've been looking at is some of the arguments made by African-American baseball players who were in favor of the racially segregated leagues. And it's interesting because it's provided my students with the opportunity to look at things that extend beyond and challenge the idea of minorities having monolithic views, you know, challenging the idea that minorities all feel the same way about issues and simply because they're minorities. Anyway, that's all we've got time for now. I look forward to hearing your feedback about this episode. Was there anything about it that didn't make sense? Do you agree with my claim that multicultural education can be beneficial for all students? Have you had experiences in teaching multicultural education? Send your answers my way, along with any other questions or comments you might have, to teachertalkwzc at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at teachertalkwzc and Facebook at teachertalkwithzachclancy. That's all for this week's show. I'm Zach Clancy. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.